You bemoaning the fact that Hollywood doesn't make any good movies anymore? Why not make some yourself? Hi, I'm Scott Out with Bill Whittle and Stephen Green. And this episode of Right Angles brought to you by the members at BillWhittle.com. And gentlemen, that's exactly uh, what a guy named Dallas Jenkins did. He put together a, a corporation called The Chosen LLC and managed to get crowdsourced funding for three seasons of a reasonably budgeted uh, production uh, series about the life of Jesus. Um, now, it's, it's interesting from the perspective of anybody who's seen any Christian films, a lot of which are well-meaning, but really not up to the, I'm not talking about production standards. I'm talking about like writing standards. I'm talking about people who don't understand how to create a movie, how to, how to create tension and drama and have a, a crisis and have the resolution without being a little bit too deus ex machina. Um, and this series has attracted so far, uh, according to the Wall Street Journal, some $40 million in crowdsource funding, some of which came from people who now appear in the series. They got parts uh, in the crowd, so to speak. Uh, that's a perfect way to do crowdsource funding. Um, and uh, Steve Green, what's amazing to me about this is they essentially created a vertically integrated industry of their own, not just the production of the film, but they actually are now, they're building a soundstage, they are building uh, Middle Eastern looking villages out in Texas, and, um, and they've created the distribution channel for this through an app that you can download on your phone. It's the Chosen app where you can watch the series. And I tested it out because you can actually, like from the app, I was thinking, well, who wants to watch a TV series on your phone? you know, if you're over 50, um, <laughs> and, uh, which I am. And, uh, and you can just hit this little button and throw it up on your TV screen. So Steve, uh, it occurred to me that there are probably a lot of topics or stories that there's not a lot of support for in Hollywood. Um, and I know a lot of independent filmmakers have gone out there and tried to create things to, but, but they've never been able to get this kind of level of funding. Do you think this is a viable uh, model for the future of a Hollywood that we can stomach that actually makes good films? <laughs> or do you think this is kind of a one-off because Dallas Jenkins is a son of Jerry B. Jenkins, who was largely responsible for the Left Behind series with Tim LaHaye. And so, you know, he's got that kind of, uh, he's got a name that enabled him to raise this kind of funding. No, this this is the future. Uh, not every venture like this is going to succeed, of course, but that's true in in, in any field. Uh, you know, <laughs> I just thought of this. There are so many great stories in the Bible. This is a real uh, uh, puzzle of our of our time. So many great stories in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, wonderful stories, and yet so few of them are told well by our entertainment industry. And as you say, most of those are yeah. done by folks who mean well and know their Bible and and want to do something good, and they just don't pull it off for whatever reason. I would like to see more of that, just as as somebody who enjoys a good story that's well told in uh, in movie or or TV form. In fact, um, Bill mentioned uh, maybe he'll talk about this in more detail that he made one of the first Star Trek fan movies when he was a kid. Uh, in 1981, my buddy Kevin and I made a Star Wars fanfic film on my grandmother's uh, uh, 
Super 8 camera, yeah. No sound, so you know I had a little sound uh, effects generator that I would have to press all the buttons on when the show was playing and all that stuff. It was a lot of fun. Um, I got to choreograph a, a lightsaber fight and kill Darth Vader. My friend Kevin had to play like all the roles that weren't me. I was Luke, by the way. I was terrible. Anyway, um, something is going on in entertainment that is also going on in manufacturing. First, you get entertainment or manufacturing that was only for wealthy people who could afford it. If you wanted to hear a symphony, there was, wasn't any popular music. If you wanted to hear a symphony, you know, 300, 200 years ago, you had to buy a ticket and go hear it performed. Uh, recording technology made music attainable to anybody and also led to the rise of popular music because you could fit a three or four minute song on a little fast spinning disc that almost anybody could afford. And they built, you know, huge collections of them. I still do, except the discs hold a lot more music now. Um, and so things filtered down to the masses. And the same thing happened in manufacturing. Uh, manufactured goods used to be very expensive and in very limited quantities. But with mass manufacturing, you could make almost unlimited goods using comparatively few resources that almost anybody could afford. But the dream and what we're what is going on now, the dream for manufacturing is mass custom manufacturing, where anybody for a reasonable price can get the exact customized good that they want. And we're seeing that process in manufacturing. And now, thanks to things like Kickstarter, we're seeing that happen in entertainment too. And if you can get the exact TV show or the exact movie you want by supporting it with your own money, whether it's 10 bucks, 100 bucks, or I think you said some people gave a, a hundred thousand bucks or more to this, uh, to this production company, let it happen. This is great. This is mass custom entertainment. It's not just the big three anymore. It's anybody can be as big as they want to be. You know, Bill Whittle, as Steve points out, uh, Dallas Jenkins didn't invent this concept. In fact, he mentioned Kickstarter uh, recently, uh, or a couple of years ago anyway, uh, Kickstarter campaign raised $6 million to create a revival season for Mystery Science Theater 3000. <laughs> Which was uh, appalling. <laughs> Oh. But I Pat Oswald in it. I couldn't even bear to look oh, at the no. stills. He's all wrong. Well, for it's that. a show of which all three of us were fans. I have not seen any of the revival shows, and I think I'm better off uh, uh, therefore. Uh, but in any case, uh, th so that was six million dollars for a show that already had a following and a cult-like following uh, that was previously on TV. Season three of The Chosen is set to start shooting in March with a budget of $18 million, up from $12 million for season two. And they said part of the increased expenses is due to the cost of switching to union film crews. So they're actually like, this is becoming more and more what they would, might say in Hollywood is legit. Um, there is an organization called Fathom Events that puts on things in movie theaters like operas and ballets and revivals of old movies where they'll show it for one night or two nights. They had to extend the chosen Christmas special for 10 nights in 1700 theaters and they've sold $6 million worth of tickets. In addition to that and the, the swag that they can sell t-shirts and then other non-swaggy things like Bible studies that go along with the film. 
They've really created a, a cottage industry here, Bill. And uh, I know you've had some experience in Hollywood and in doing independent film work and things like that. But this seems like a like a completely a horse of a different color uh, where essentially, like Steve says, we're, we're making movies for people uh, who want to watch them by people who want to watch them. Um, do you think it's going to advance the gospel beyond that circle of producers? That's going to depend on how well made the shows are. And the fact that they got this kind of money is telling me that whatever their Kickstarter uh, nugget is, there's not a Kickstarter that doesn't have something. First of all, there are millions of Kickstarters and and GoFundMes and stuff. And most of them raise a couple hundred bucks. The ones that are successful are the ones that tap into a, a public need. There's, in other words, there's an audience for what they want, number one. Number two, the production crew that comes with it brings enough credibility for people to think that if I put $100 in it, I might actually see something for it. And um, mostly, it comes down to how slick is your is your demo reel? That's really, really what the sale is. And when you talk about uh, Christians in America, you're talking about a remarkably underserved market. Yeah. Uh, and not only underserved, but been so... Uh, criminalized and demonized and 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 uh and oppressed in general that there's a that there's a, enough of a of a almost like a rebound effect for people to say i don't even care if it's any good you know damn it i'm just gonna do it just to just to do it but it sounds like it sounds like they have um got a you know a good team together and i think and they think that's going to make them a success i would caution them only about one thing you know well first of all one other thing uh, the internet giveth and the internet taketh away uh technology uh in terms of film cameras means that you can shoot 4K resolution for a camera that costs maybe $1,500 or less now. Yeah. It looks absolutely indistinguishable from what they're shooting on in Hollywood because they're shooting on that in Hollywood as well. You are no longer talking about, pardon the expression, church movie, where you have to make allowances for acting and lighting and, and sound and writing and, and, and all the rest. This is very high-level stuff. That's the part that's good. It is the, the cost of making movies has come down. I work on an editing system for our shows here that can output feature quality films. And even 10 years ago, I, I would edit on an Avid and we had to go do an online session where we just have to go bump up the resolution. Now, everything can be done for next to nothing. Now, that's the good news. The bad news is how do you monetize all this? You used to be able to have all your eyeballs in one place on Thursday night on NBC. You had 30 million people watching. And that's where you got the millions and millions of dollars it took to make it. TV show. So the internet giveth, it taketh away. It giveth, meaning you don't have to spend $30 million to make a movie anymore. Taketh away in the sense that where do you find the eyeballs for this? But if you have people who are doing something through crowdfunding, then you don't have to monetize it. You've monetized it before you went out there. The people have paid for this series before it's made. That's why they're that's why they're in a tremendous position. They don't have to worry about ratings. They don't have to worry about ratings. They don't have to worry about ad sales. We're funded before we go out there. The only thing I was going to say that I would warn them about is this. When you come into a large sum of money, especially when you come into a much larger sum than what you're looking for, there is an overwhelming temptation to increase the scale of what it is you're trying to do. Yeah. And when I hear people say things like, we're buying this incredible, or we're building this megaplex, I start thinking, be careful about that. Uh, we saw Glenn Beck go through that where he just overbuilt and overstaffed everything and he just didn't have the revenue to keep it up. And Star Citizen is a video game that has raised $400 million, is now 10 years in development, gets more buggy with every patch. And, and, so, and so you can perish from an, uh, an embarrassment of riches. 
it doesn't sound to me from some of the details you gave us that this is one of those kinds of people. But just be careful of the temptation of suddenly finding yourself with seven times more money than you thought you need and and not letting the project expand into that budget, which you will then not be able to uh, reproduce down the road. You know, I, th I think Steve pointed out something uh, that I hadn't really thought of in this way, in that there are so many excellent, compelling stories in the Bible that would make great movies, uh, but we, do we don't seem to have the resources within the movie-making community of people who would be interested in telling those stories to be able to convey them in a powerful way. In a, and, and a movie is, I mean, not to cheapen the creative element of it all, but it's a template. I mean, there's a standard that you follow no to question. make a movie. And it has a, it has a specific pattern of uh, emotion and activity and crisis and conflict and success and failure. And all of that has to happen or the audience won't accept it. And um, I remember, and I've, I think I've said this before on this show, but I remember watching one of these uh, Christian movies made by a tremendous church, apparently in Georgia, that's made a lot of movies now. And at the end of the movie, uh, there's this scene where essentially the lead character gets everything he wants <laughs> in this life. And so, you know, I'm not going to say that as a believer in Christ, I'm not going to get everything I want, but I may not get it before I wink out. And so <laughs> I think you, you have to keep that perspective. And at the end of it, when he kind of put his head down on the table and he was overwhelmed with joy and gratitude at how the Lord had answered every single prayer that he had, I, I thought at, the, at this moment, what should happen is when he takes his hands off of his bald head, hair should just sprout out from it <laughs> and, and fall down on his shoulders. Um, there, there is a tendency among Christians to be too facile in the telling of these stories, but there are some really dramatic stories. I mean, in, in the Old Testament, there's a story of a woman who invites this guy who's an enemy into her tent and she gives him some milk and he takes a nap. And while he's taking a nap, she drives a tent peg through his head. And I mean, this is, this is a scene made for Hollywood, but I don't know that there are many Christian film companies who would be willing to make that scene in, in the kind of powerful way that it actually happened. Um, so I, I admire this crew. Uh, one of the things I like about Dallas Jenkins' approach to this is he's doing everything he possibly can to uh, to stay within the doctrine of the scriptures. You know, so he wants to make sure, and he's got a crew of theologians and pastors and people who he consults with to make sure that they're not violating uh, core premises of the Bible. But he also openly says, "Look, first of all, we're not a nonprofit." We're a profit-making organization. It's an LLC. We have shareholders, and uh, the creator of the films, Dallas Jenkins, gets paid a salary, but he's not going to take profits until his shareholders are able to increase their holding, their get their money back, plus increase it by twenty percent. Good idea. Um, and I think he also is smart to say, look. We are making movies here. This is not a Sunday school lesson. We're not trying to accurately convey every single thing about the Bible. We are making dramatic events for film. And therefore, we're going to fill in some gaps that don't appear in the scriptures. We're going to add character to people whose character may not be fully fleshed out. And we're going to do that in a way that's engaging to audiences because what we want to do is have people watch these films. And the open question, I think, is 
What percentage of people who want to watch these films are people who say, hey, yeah, that's a story I really want to hear, who don't already know the story or who don't have not already embraced Christ? Or is the audience going to be primarily limited not just to Christians, but to those people who say, hey, I'll give you a hundred bucks to make a movie like that. And, uh, you know, if I give you a thousand bucks, then I can appear in a crowd scene on the sermon of, uh, for the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and, and then I'll watch the movie and tell my friends about it. Um, I, as a Christian, am all about expanding the reach and touching people who have not yet heard the gospel. It, it, you know, the Apostle Paul said, it has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named. And it seems like that's the goal of these films. And uh, if you're a believer, maybe you should pray that they are successful in accomplishing that. For Bill Whittle and Stephen Green, I'm Scott Ott. Thanks to the members at BillWhittle.com for making Right Angle possible. 